two weeks ago, um, Thad talked about the moment Elisha in the Old Testament was called by Elijah. And I don't know about you, but those names really bother me in the Old Testament. Why couldn't they, like, name the guys different kind of names? Because I always get Elijah and Elisha mixed up. And so, but we talked about how when Elijah called Elisha, Elisha just burned his plows. He said, you know what, I'm just going to follow wholeheartedly. I'm going to give up everything, and I'm just going to prove to God that I'm totally serious about the calling to greater that he has on my life. And so that was two weeks ago. And then this uh, last week, um, we talked about digging ditches. And it's a story where just being obedient and being ready for God to bless you and being just doing the little steps to make yourself ready to reach what God has for you in our lives. And so then today, we're going to be talking about kind of what happens when crisis happens. Because we've all been there in our lives, and we've all like just had that moment in our lives where we feel like we might be going like in a good direction, but then something happens to us, and there's just kind of a crisis. And we ha- kind of have to pick up the pieces and wonder what's going on with our lives. And so that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today. But for me, if you know me, you may, may or may not know that I'm a pretty big sports fan. I just love sports, and I love to go to sports and engage in sports and, like, really just go to the stadiums and kind of hang out and scream and yell, shout, and be part of the mix. And just one of those things about kind of that idea of being greater is one of the reasons I just love sports is that there's always that opportunity in that moment where maybe you'll get to see something greater happen like at a sporting event. Like, I just imagine, I would have loved to have been at the Mariners game when um, Felix Hernandez threw the perfect game. Like, because it's like the perfect first one the Mariners have ever had in the history of the Mariners. And just to see him, just to be there and be able to see that, like, that's the reason I, like, I have these, like, set of rules when it comes to going to sporting events. One of them is I just have to be on time. It's like a pet peeve of mine if I'm late. But the other one is I never leave early. We could be down 13 runs, or we could be down four touchdowns, and I'll wait till the end. You never know, like, if you'll see something awesome happen. And so when we're talking about greater, when we're talking about always, like, going for something bigger in our life, something that God has for us, like, don't ever sell things short, because you don't know the whole picture. Like, you could have, people could have left early, and when uh, Felix was throwing the perfect game. They could have said, you know what? The Mariners is a close game. I want to beat traffic. I want to get home early. Like, that's a dumb reason to leave early from a game. But we kind of do that in our lives a lot of times, is when, like, God has a plan for us, but we don't see it really going the way that we dreamed it or we envisioned it. Sometimes we just like to check out and leave early. But in wanting to see something greater— I just want to kind of tell you a story about one of these times in a sporting event where it's it's like an embarrassing story for me, and it gets brought up a lot. But about four years ago in 2009, before me and Danny were married, um, she got some free tickets to go to a Huskies game. And so, you know, I'm like, I'm not a Huskies fan. I'm actually an Oregon Ducks fan. And so, you know, you can boo on that if you want. But um, I'm, so I'm not a huge Huskies fan, but I still, I love sporting events. So like I wanted to go and experience, you know, a Huskies game because I think I'd only been one before and it was like I was younger. And so she has these free tickets and the game I think started at one. And so we lived in Kirkland at the time um, or we, you know, we weren't, we weren't living together or anything, but it was before we got married. 
I'm, I'm really messing this story up. But uh, I was in college, and then she uh, was working, and so she had to work in the morning, and so we were going to leave from the, because she worked at the school, and so we were going to leave from the school and just ride the bus, because it's faster. You save, um, you know, money, you save traffic time, because the buses go over the bridge way faster than if you're in a car. And so we agreed, let's, okay, let's meet at noon. Um, she's just going to get off work kind of like at 11.30, so let's meet at noon, let's get on the bus, let's just go over there really quick, and we should make it like in plenty of time for the game. And so I'm like, I'm, I'm already, I'm like there at like 11.55, you know, because if, if you're there early, then you're late, and if you're not, you know, if you're there on time, you're late already. So that's how I see things. And so I'm there at 11.55, ready to go. So noon comes, I'm like, it's fine, she'll be here. 12.05 comes, you know, I'm, I'm like, you know, it's only five minutes, not a huge deal. Like, it's not a big deal at all. 12.10 comes, and I'm like, you know what, we can still make it. It'll be fine. I, you know, everything's going to be okay. But I, I just shoot a text. I'm like, Danny, uh, where are you at? Like, are you, are you coming or not? And so she has the tickets too, so it's not like I can go without her, because I probably would have. But um, and so then 12.15 comes, and now I'm just like kind of starting to twitch a little bit, like just sitting there in my car waiting for her to pull up. And so 12.20 comes. Finally, she pulls up next to me. And so I'm kind of like, I'm kind of like mad a little bit, kind of perturbed, like, why are you late? Like, we, like, I thought we said noon, like we were going to leave at noon, and it's 12.20 now, and I'm just sitting here listening to the pregame show on the radio. And so, um, so we get in, I'm like, we get, I'm like, she gets into my car, and I'm like, well, we're taking the bus. And so, you know, I just said, Danny, and I'll never live these words down. I said, Danny, if we're not even going to be there on time, I don't even think we should go. And so there was just this, like, awkward silence for a minute. Because one, like, we're not even married yet, so, like, we haven't had a lot of, like, arguments or fights. And so two, this was going to be an argument or fight about a sporting event. Not really high on the, like, priority list of things you should be arguing about. And so the minute I say it, I kind of, like, I really meant it in my heart. But it's like one of those things you should just keep to yourself like, and just go to the game and have fun. But it came out of my mouth. And so then to own it and really just go with it, I decided to be stubborn about it and kind of like pout the whole way to the stadium. I'm just like, you know, we're going to be late. We're going to miss something. It's because that's like one of my pet peeves. You never show up late at a sporting event. You could miss something really crucial. And so we're, we're going in the bus and I'm still like mad the whole time we're there. So we get out, we pull up to the stadium in the bus, we get out, and like I hear the opening kickoff literally when I walk off the bus. And just like add like the anger in my heart as like you hear everyone screaming and cheering. And so we walk into the stadium, we walk, you know, around to get to our seats. And then what does Danny do? But she, well, she needs to go to the bathroom before we get in there. So she goes to the bathroom, I'm standing out there. And like, you know, you've, if you've ever been to Husky Stadium, the place is just like, cavernous, and you, like, hear everything going on if you're under the bleachers and stuff, and so everyone's pounding, and I'm like, oh, come on, like, can we hurry up, Lord, like, let's just get out there, and so she finally comes back from the restroom. We go to our seats, and, like, for me, it's embarrassing to be the guy that, like, asks everyone, okay, can you move while I get to my seat? Oh, sorry, sorry, excuse me, excuse me, you know, you're walking through the line, so it's just adding to it, so finally we get to our seats. I look, and there's still nine minutes and 30 seconds in the first quarter, so I didn't miss that much, but it was that moment where I'm never going to live it down telling Danny, you know what, if, if I'm not going to be there for the whole thing, then we shouldn't even just go at all. And so this game was actually like a really, really good game. 
And it was one of like my sports memories that I'll always have because of what happened. And real, it was just awesome because the Huskies were unranked. The Huskies, like they usually are, were pretty terrible. And so uh, they were playing the USC Trojans, and the, the Trojans were ranked number three in the country. And this is when Pete Carroll was still their coach. And so it was just this big thing. Sarkeesian was playing his old team. And there's just like all this, you know, excitement and stuff. And it was just an awesome game. And so to show you guys how excited I was at the end of it, I'm going to show you the last like play where they won the game. And then you'll see my reaction in the upper right corner as well. So why don't you go ahead and watch this. It was a lot louder if you were there, just so you know. This is the best part. So that's basically it. It was an awesome experience because I've never been at a game where everyone rushes the field. And I'm on the, like, the second deck, so I wasn't going like, to jump off to like, go down there because that would have been like, crazy weird. But um, it was just a cool thing to see everyone swarming the field. I've never seen that before like, actually at the game. And everyone's just going nuts. Like, I, 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 it was getting pretty long on the video, but the, you see this guy like with his old flip phone, which I still have actually. But he's like he like turns around and he's like like you know taking pictures of himself because everyone wanted to be there. You like wanted to like remember that you were there when you saw the game where the Huskies beat the Trojans, and so it was just a cool thing. But if I had really had if I had been super stubborn about it and said you know what that's just a rule I'm not going to break I'm not going to go to sporting events late then I would totally have missed just an awesome experience. And so sometimes I think when we think about our dreams and our plan that we have for our lives, we kind of set up these things like, you know, I'm going to do this in my life. And then like when things don't go our way, when plans just don't happen the way that we want them to or expect them to, or sometimes we think we need them to, then we oftentimes just tell God, you know what, I'm just going to sit this out. I'm not going to really go forward and find the greater things that you have for my life. And so as we read a Bible story today about Elisha, we're still talking about him. Think about how sometimes our dreams, how do we make those and how, what do we do when the dreams don't really work out the exact way that we want them to. And so the story that we're going to be reading from is in 2 Kings chapter 4, verses 8 through 13. So you can follow along on the screen. But just think about that. Think about the woman that we're going to be reading about and how she made the most of what she had, but sometimes things just don't always go according to plan. One day, Elisha went to Shunem, and a well-to-do woman was there who urged him to stay for a meal. So whenever he came by, he stopped there to eat. She said to her husband, I know that this man who often comes our way is a holy man of God. Let's make a small room on the roof and put in a bed and a table, a chair and a lamp for him. Then he can stay here whenever he comes to us. 
One day when Elisha came, he went up to his room and lay down there. He said to his servant Gehazi, call the Shunammite. So he called her and she stood before him. Elisha said to him, tell her, you have gone to all this trouble for us. Now what can be done for you? Can we speak on your behalf to the king or the commander of the army? She replied, I have a home among my own people. And so we're introduced to like a well-to-do woman. Some translations, if you read it, it says she's a wealthy woman. She obviously has a good thing going with her husband. She's hospitable to the point that they even go to the, they like make an extra room for Elisha to stay when, they're, when he's in town. And so she, you obviously see that things are going good for her. And maybe there are things that she longs for or maybe that she wants, but you wouldn't know it because she's been diligent with what she's been given. But when given the chance to ask for blessing, she even just says, you know what? I'm fine with where I'm at. I'm fine with where I live. I'm fine being among my people. And so wouldn't we all kind of like to be in that situation in life where we just kind of have everything going for us? And I think the word for her that she would have to describe her life is comfortable. And you know, comfortable is not a bad thing necessarily. It's not bad to feel comfortable. And I think when we're in times of distress, that it's important to long for comfort, to long for the one who gives us peace and rest. And so she's doing that. But sometimes if we become too comfortable in our lives, we kind of can miss and be distracted from maybe what God has for us that is greater for us in the plans of our lives. If we're all good, like if we're just, you know, everything's all good with my life, then it's really easy for us to just go into kind of cruise control with the way that we live and not just push for greater. Because sometimes getting to greater takes resistance. Sometimes getting to greater takes just longing for it and pushing for it and getting out of our comfort zone. So the story goes on. What can be done for her, Elisha asked. Gehazi said, well, she has no son and her husband is old. Then Elisha said, call her. So he called her and she stood in the doorway. About this time next year, Elisha said, you will hold a son in your arms. No, my Lord, she objected. Please, man of God, do not mislead your servant. But the woman became pregnant, and the next year, about that same time, she gave birth to a son, just as Elisha had told her. And so sometimes, like this one, we can be so comfortable that when greater is even just given to us, greater things are given to us, we just choose to kind of push them away. We say, you know what, I have a good thing going here. I don't need to add anything else to my plate. I do this all the time. If I'm in a place of comfort, and if I have a good, like, rhythm going, I'm like, no, I can't add anything to my plate. I just, I'm, I like, I don't even want to mess with my schedule. I don't even want to mess with my rhythm. And so we see that's what the woman was doing there. We become so comfortable with where we're at that we don't want what is greater because of the trouble it could cause us. Maybe for the woman, it was more about broken dreams of the past. Maybe she had longed for a son, a child before, but then just through trying, through working through it, through maybe praying to God, she still just never received it. And so she came to grips with the fact, you know what, I'm not going to have a son. I'm not going to have a child. That's not a big deal. I'm going to make the most of what I have. And so she does that. She makes the most of what she has, but then all of a sudden Elisha comes in, And he says, you know what? What do you need? Like, what do you long for? To the point where she says, I'm not even going to ask for this because I don't want it. I came to grips with it. But Elisha says, no. He says, you will have a son in a year from now. And then you see her reaction. She's like, no, I don't want it. Don't like, 
don't fool with me. Don't like mess with me. You're, you're, you're just messing with me. You're telling me something that's not going to happen because I've tried, I've prayed for it, and it's not going to happen. But Elisha had something greater for her. And so the first thing that we, the first point I want to talk about today is if our current realities determine what is greater, we will ultimately end up with less than what God, ha- what God has for us. We've all had dreams for our lives in the past at one point or, no- one point or another. As children, we kind of dream about those jobs we want to have. Like some people want to be poli- policemen. Some people want to be firemen. Some people want to be singers. They want to be pilots. You know, for me, I wanted to be an NBA player. And I don't even like the NBA anymore. But, like, I was really good at basketball because I was bigger than everyone else. And I could, like, shoot above people. And so then I just assumed, you know what, I'm just going to go up the ranks and I'm going to play in the NBA. It's just it's what's going to happen. But we all have those dreams in our lives. But then as we grow older, we begin to see kind of other things around us. We, we might see that, well, my family's not as prosperous as my friend's family, you know, so, so we kind of tweak our dreams a little bit. And we, we used to kind of begin, as we grow older and older, sometimes we let our current realities, things that are just living inside of us, and things out, external forces around us, determine what our dreams are going to be. And, and so when we do that, we begin to kind of limit what we think we can become. And I, it seems like a normal thing to do, but I would challenge that thought process of limiting your dreams. The woman in this story made her best laid plans. So she wasn't going to have a son. Maybe that wasn't in her cards at the time. But she still made the most. But God obviously had something greater for her. He had a son in her plans, even when she had made peace without one, and even was skeptical when Elisha basically gives her that blessing. She still says, you know what? I don't, I don't even want it. And, but I think it all comes down to comparison. It's so easy to compare our lives with other lives around us. People in similar situations or circumstances as we are and kind of put a cap on what our dreams can take us or where our lives can be or how great our lives can be. So you didn't have a father growing up. You came from a family of alcoholics. You know, you... you you didn't have a lot of money growing up. Those things inside of us just tell us, you know, well, I can't come to this. I can't be this now because this happened to me. And so when we put a cap on our dreams because of the situation we are in, we then settle for far less than what God has for us. It's about perspective. From where I stand, it's really easy to see when one person is going to be greater than I am just because of the situation they're in. But then it's also easier for me to see how I'm going to be better than that person because, man, they have it way worse than I do. And so when we do that, though, we lose sight of the way Jesus looks on us. If we believe in God that he sent Jesus to earth to die for our sins so that we could have eternal life with him, then what matter does our current realities have when determining our potential for greater? If we start with Jesus and that just act of him coming to earth and coming to die for each one of us, for you individually, for you individually, for me individually, and create dreams coming from that reality, then there's no cap. There's no cap on the potential that we can have for greater. Do you really think that the eternal God of this universe really cares 
the family you came from when determining what his plan he has for you? Do you really think he cares that the doctors are telling you that you have a prognosis and that you have a time limit on your life? God does not care about those things because he's bigger than those things. And so when we look at our current realities and look at stuff that we're dealing with, we have to understand that Jesus sees it from a completely different perspective, looking down on us and saying, no, you are bigger than your situation. You are stronger than your situation because I'm here to give you power. And so if we go to the drawing board of our, of our dreams and of our lives from the starting point of knowing that Jesus came for us, that he loves us, that he forgives us, if we start there first, then there's no cap on the potential that we have for greater. And so it leads to the second point. If we start with Jesus, what, what is greater is no longer hindered. It's easy to let our current realities shape our futures. And I've, I've told this story before, but when I was 16, my mom was diagnosed with cancer. <clears throat> and she was given one to four years of life. And i like, in the moment, current realities dictated decisions me and my family made. And so I began to really, like, think about the milestones that I had to hit with my mom still in my life. You know, I wanted her to see me graduate high school. I wanted her to see me graduate college. I wanted her to see me get married. And so when we set those realities on our lives, it becomes a four-year plan. But God has greater things than four-year plans. He has greater things than doctors' plans for family members, for your own family. So whatever it is, it's funny because we're entering year 12 now. And it's just awesome. I, like, I talk about this a lot, and I cry every single time, and it's like so annoying. But it's awesome because for me, that's the story. Like, when people ask me, like, what does God mean to you? He means to me that I didn't have to look at four years of my life and say, that's the cap. Like, that's the cap of your life. The cap of my life, there is no cap because God just continually blesses me and my family because he cares for us. And so all of us have that choice and that opportunity to really just say, you know what? God, you came to this earth for me. You came to this earth so that I could have a future, so I could have eternal life with you. And that's like the biggest deal. And so I had to come to the grips and say, you know what, God, my situation really stinks. My mom, the doctor says she's going to die in one to four years. So what do I do with that? And God says, just trust me. And so you trust him in those moments. And in those times, you know, sometimes, like, honestly, my mom could have died. She could have had, she could have gone in for chemo treatments and died from a complication from that, not even from the cancer. But she didn't. But she could have. But I would have still trusted God. Because our current realities shouldn't dictate our dreams for greater. Only Jesus dictates the cap on the greater that we can have. 
And so this kind of story, that kind of correlates with the story of this woman. And so as we, we read on in 2 Kings in verse 18, we find out that things went really sour really fast for this woman. And so we read there in verse 18, the child grew and one day he went out to his father who was with the reapers. He said to his father, my head, my head. His father told the servant, carry him to his mother. After the servant had lifted it up and carried him to his mother, the boy sat on her lap until noon and then he died. She went up and laid him on the bed and the man of God then shut the door and went out. She, call, she called her husband and said, Please send me one of the servants and a donkey so I can go to the man of God quickly and return. Why go to him today, he asked. It's, it's not the new moon or the Sabbath. That's all right, she said. So she saddled the donkey and said to her servant, Lead on. Don't slow down for me unless I tell you. And so the woman reaches Elisha eventually. In distress, she says this, Did I ask you for a son, my lord, she said. Didn't I tell you don't raise my hopes? Elisha said to Gehazi, tuck your cloak into your belt, take my staff in your hands, and run. Don't greet anyone you meet, and if anyone greets you, do not answer. Lay my staff on the boy's face. But the child's mother said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So Elisha sends his servant. He says, you know what? We're going to do something about this. Gehazi, go take my staff. Go run there. Don't do anything else. Place it on the boy's face. And he's basically saying this because he thinks that the boy is going to live when he does that. But the woman says, you know what? I'm not even going to go with him. I'm going to stay with you until you do something about this. And so verse 31, Gehazi went on ahead and laid the staff on the boy's face, but there was no sound or response. So Gehazi went back to meet Elisha and told him, the boy has not awakened. When Elisha reached the house, there was a boy lying dead on his couch. He went in, shut the door on the two of them and prayed to the Lord. Then he got on the bed and lay on the boy, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. As he stretched himself out on him, the boy's body grew warm. Elisha turned away and walked back and forth in the room and then got on the bed and stretched out on him once more. The boy sneezed seven times and opened his eyes. Elisha summoned Gehazi and said, call the Shunammite. And he did. When she came, he said, take your son. She came in, fell at his feet and bowed to the ground. Then she took her son and went out. When you read that, it's like a lot of weird stuff. It's like when I was reading that, I'm like, what? Like, it's just weird. Like, why did he have to get on top of him and like breathe? That's just weird. But so I just wanted to reference that because I'm sure that's what you all are thinking. So awkwardness over. But, uh, but it's a roller coaster of a story if you think about it. The woman goes and she has this son, and then all of a sudden, in a minute, moment, my head, my head, and he dies. And it's like, and she's mad about it. She's like, Elisha, if, if I knew that this was going to happen, that the minute I have my son, like my promise, the thing that I'd longed for so long, come to grips with not even having, and then finally getting it, and then in the moment having it taken away, she's like, why did you even give this to me? Why do I even want that? And so we see her, her faith and her anger. And sometimes I think we get into this routine with God that says, God, I'm willing to follow you, but the minute I experience hardship or trial or resistance, I'm just going to jump ship and just go back to what I already know. And so that woman could have done that. She could have said, you know what? I've done this before. I've been there. I'm not even going to bother with Elisha. I'm just going to go back to what I know. And sometimes we forget that 
following Jesus doesn't mean like we're immune to life. We still have friends who like are going to hurt us. We still have family members that are going to hurt us. We still have those current realities that we were talking about. And even though they shouldn't dictate our dreams and our potential and our future, they still can make it really hard and really like stressful for us to break through and reach that future. But that's where we come to verses like Romans 8, 28, where it says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him. In, the, in that verse, like it says all things. And so that can mean both good and bad things. Good things happen to us for the good, but bad things happen to us. And sometimes we want to say those are just going to derail us, but because we serve God and we serve Jesus, we can know that even the good and the bad, God's going to use it to further us in his good plan that he has for us. It all comes back to perspective again. Sometimes things happen to us, and at first it seems like we are destined for an outcome. But what if another outcome is what we end up with? The woman from the story was given a son, but then he suddenly dies, and now she's left wondering, what now? But she runs to Elisha to get answers, and she doesn't leave until she gets them. She doesn't give up on the greater dream that God had for her life. Instead, she fights for it. She fights for, and she wants to experience another outpouring of God's power in her life. She knew it was a miracle that she had a son. That's why she like, didn't even want it, because she knew it couldn't happen. And so when it happened, she rejoiced for it. But that's why when her son died, she runs to Elisha, because she knows that another miracle can happen again. And so, like, I always relate it back. I try to, like, relate sports to, like, this kind of life stuff. Because, like, if you think about it, like, if, you're, if you watched any of the games yesterday, you know, like, a bad call will happen to a team. And so it's like the referees say, well, you know, that's not a catch. His foot was on the line. And so it happens all the time. And so then when you look at it from a different perspective or a different angle, you realize that actually, no, he did catch it inbounds. That is a catch. And so sometimes we need that different perspective in our lives. Some of you are in your life and you have a bad call that's going on. Like you just feel like you've been given a bad call in life. Like you, maybe the doctors have told you you're sick or maybe you know, you've worked really hard in your marriage, but your spouse is just not giving you anything, and he or she is leaving you. Like, those are bad calls in life. But that's where you need to have the different perspective, to try and find how this can fit into the story and dream of your life. Upon further review is what the referees come back and say when they realize that they blew it. Upon further review, from a different angle, we realize that that was actually a catch. Now the team gets a first down. You can go on. Sometimes I think we don't realize that Jesus is saying, to that, saying that to us all the time. He's like, upon further review on your life, because you've gone through this mess, and you've gone through this trial, and you've gone through this crisis, I'm going to use that to get you to somewhere greater than you could have ever imagined or hoped for before that happened to you. That's the power that we have when we follow Jesus and trust in him. From our perspective, maybe we got a bad call. Maybe we ventured out to open a business, and it just didn't work out. 
whatever your story is, just trust that God has something greater for you. In those moments, can we run to him versus running back to what we know? God always has greater for you when we put our trust in him in those moments. Again, you don't become immune to the bad calls of life, but once you conquer those moments, and upon further review from Jesus' perspective, you're found that you've reached something greater and are farther than you could have ever imagined. What seemed like a terrible circumstance at that time now becomes something that helps you get to a place of greater. And so that leads to the third point, that roadblocks in life become speed bumps upon further review. You might feel like life led you to a dead end, but you made it through. And upon further review, you would have never made it to something greater if you'd not had that life experience in your life, to lean on Jesus, to be shaped and molded, to find out that God, has, that God was with you all along and working for your good and working through that circumstance, you begin to see that those roadblocks were actually just speed bumps. They were just like moments where like you just depended on God and he got you through it to something greater. And what I love about this Christmas season that we're in is like that's all of our stories. That's like the story of humanity. That's the story of like the world is that we do things and we, we meet resistance. And some of us, for whatever reason, some of us thrive in those situations and go forward, but some of us choose to like degrade ourselves and let those moments just totally derail our lives. But what's great about the Christmas season is knowing that all of us got the same answer. We got the same God who said, you know what, I'm going to do something to radically change your life. I'm going to send my son for you so that you can have forgiveness, so that you can have life through him, so that you can have freedom. And that's what like Christmas is all about. And so it's like we we're getting ready for our Christmas service on December 22nd. If you're going to be in town, we would love for you to be here. But more than that, we'd love for you to like bring someone here with you. Because like that's the story of everyone's life. Everyone has something going on. There's not one person I could probably talk to that would just say, oh, my life is great. Everything's perfect. Nothing is perfect. Some of us, we all have a friend who might be hurting. We all have a family member who might be sick. We all might be struggling for money to make ends meet. We all know someone like that. But we all have the same answer, and that's Jesus. And that's what Christmas is all about, is that light coming to earth and just illuminating freedom for everyone. And so we're going to have handouts um, at the connection table as you walk out. But just grab a couple of those. Invite someone to come with you. Just and say, you know what? We're having a Christmas service at my church. Would you like to come with me? There's going to be music, a short message, and it's just going to be fun. I'd love for you to be there. You never know what that statement could do for someone's life. But so where are you at today? Are you kind of determining your dreams and the greater in your life based on the situation that you find yourself in right now? Have maybe you had a dream before, but something happened to you. Maybe something happened to your family or a loved one or whatever it is. Maybe you did grow up in an alcoholic's home and you're like, that really bothers you. You don't think that like puts a cap on things that 
the way that you live your life. Maybe you grew up with an only a single parent family and you think that determines the way that you have to be a father or a mother because those are the experiences you have. I don't know what it is. Maybe you have a sick, you have a sick loved one. Maybe you, you, you yourself are sick and you're just saying, you know what? My current reality says I have to cap my dreams out. I only have three years. You know, my current reality says that I was treated poorly when I was a child, and so now I don't know how to be a father or a mother, whatever it is. That's not your cap. Your cap is that Jesus came for you to set you free, and if we just trust him, and if we pray diligently and really work at life with him at our side, there's no cap to the greater that God has for you but you got to grab it and you got to take it. And so would you do that today if you're in that situation? But maybe other people are out of a roadblock. Maybe you just have something, you're in that time right now where you would say, I'm in that roadblock right now and it does not look like a speed bump because I cannot move. I'm like, I've gotten to that point where I just feel stressed and I can't do anything. I'm like, I, there's no decision that's going to work out positive for me in this situation. So where do I go from here? Well, we would love to pray for you. And so in this response time, if you, on the back of our connection cards, there's a spot to write prayer requests. You don't have to feel weird about it. It just goes to us pastors and like we want to pray for you during the week. And we do that on Tuesday nights specifically, but all of us do it throughout the week as well. But we would just love to pray for you. I would love to pray for you today if you want to pray after service. Just come get me. I'll pray with you over whatever's going on. But whatever it is, would you realize that that roadblock, that dead end that you're in, is just a speed bump for the greater dream and plan that God has for your life? You just have to believe it. You have to trust it. And you just have to walk forward one step at a time. But let like verses like this, Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, encourage you. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Exceedingly more than we could ever dream or imagine. Some of you are in a situation and you're like, my dreams suck. My dreams, I just don't have any. Just dream something and God will give you more. And when you reach your dream, dream bigger. I've been thinking about like, what am I going to do in 2013? That's really going to impact my life. And so I'm like, maybe if I set a goal to do something like every other day, like do, if I did said, I'm going to like, I'm going to go running every single day, or I want to run half of the days of 2014. And I said, well, what happens if I just did it every day? I'd have half the year to like not run. Well, I would like get really fit for half the year and then I'd get really fat for the rest half of the year. Well, what if I decided to say that and what if I got to the halfway point of the year, reached my goal, but then set a new goal, a bigger goal, and then kept doing that over and over and over. That's the kind of dreams that God has for you is that you dream a dream, God gives you the dream, and then you dream a bigger dream after that. You don't just say, oh, I made it to my point. Like the lady in the story, I made it. I don't need anything more. I don't need a son. God said, oh, no, I give, you, I give you a son, and now dream something bigger. So like that's what we have to do today. 
So as we, as we pray, as we worship, think about those things. Let's think about how big our dreams can get. How great is God's plan for you? I could say God has so many plans for you, but I know God's plan is even bigger than what I could dream for you. And that's exciting. So let's pray together. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. Thank you that we can come together in a place, in a little school, and just say, God, like, we are here to believe in you. But God, I believe that you have bigger dreams for us than even just this school. You have dreams for people that are in our lives for us to impact, for us to just be diligent in and just to be faithful in, God. So we give you glory. And some of us are in trials right now, God. I pray that you would just walk us through it and that you would help us, God, to take that first step. And as that, as we feel like that's a safe step, God, I pray that we would move the other foot in front of that and realize that that's another safe step. And God, as we go forward, let's see how big your dream can be. God, would you do that in our hearts this week? And God, as we're in this Christmas season, God, let us see people, God, that need you. God, that's what Christmas is all about, that you came for us. You came for them. God, let us believe that and really pray for people. Pray for our friends, God. Pray for our community and our city, God. Lord, would you move through us, shape us, God, whatever it is, but let us see what's greater in our lives and let us go beyond that. In your name, amen.